Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Super Rugby Aotearoa Round 5 review and also the Super Rugby AU or Super Rugby Gold as we like to call it on this channel. Um, review round two review um, as well. Four whole games. Now you've got to remember, folks, when we had two games, we were going for an hour. Now we've got four games. And Steve and Stephen Harris, sorry, I'm sorry, um, Conflict Steve, has just suggested to me, just asked me, are we going to go for, for half an hour? Really? You, you reckon we can get four games in in half an hour? I was trying to be positive. I thought I might try and do what I always try to do and, and, Space out my time nicely. I always go on with the intention to do a 15 or 20 minute a preview show on my own channel and then talk for about 45 minutes. So, you know, I, I go in with good intentions, but they never come out well the other side of things. That's for sure. Uh, look, there's a great uh, there's, a, there's a great podcast that I listen to called Green um, called um, sorry Blood and Mud Rugby Podcast, um, which is a fun one from, from the UK. Now, they will start chatting away, introduce themselves, yada, yada, yada. And then about 15 minutes in, they'll go, right, as we always start the show, we'll have a player spotted. Mm. And, <laughs> and yeah, they start their show 15 minutes in. They aim for an hour. But if they ever get finished before an hour and a half, it's a miracle. They, they once said, hey, perhaps we should give up aiming for an hour. And I said, no, guys, aim for an hour, because then at least we know you're going to stay beneath five hours. Um, <laughs> it is a really good podcast, folks. Um, please do go give it a listen. Um, and also joining us, is uh, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, good evening, chaps. Privilege and a pleasure to be on. Good. Well, um, as you said, you would you would like to come on for it uh, um, for, for about 15 minutes, you said. So um, obviously, we'll hand you back to your wife um, at around about 11 o'clock. Um, which is about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I actually told her about quarter past 11, so here we go. <laughs> For those of you who are listening to the recording, it's only 8 a.m. Uh, sorry, 8 p.m. <laughs> um, which is 8 a.m. Jeez, oh dear me. It's been a long... Somewhere, somewhere, been... somewhere in the world, it's 8 a.m. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in the world, it's after 5 o'clock. Get those beers in. Cheers, folks. Um... <laughs> priorities. So, priorities, absolutely. So those of you listening on the podcast, um, I'm on the old summer ale, um, Monty, summer ale, pretending that it's warm. Um, because me... 
um, and Corey Flynn, obviously kindred people because, hey, I've got my electric blanket for my knees, just like Corey Finn brought along to the um, Crusaders versus the Blues game to do his commentary um, there uh, as well. Um, before we actually get into the game, boys, um, any favourite um, uh, little anecdotes or little sort of pictures you saw from the weekend? Uh, uh, I don't know how um, game orientated you want to be, but you know, I was I was uh, hollering and yahooing at Will Jordan. That's for sure. Yes, um. <laughs> it's on the field, but I mean that was the highlight of my night. That's for sure. That was the highlight of my weekend. God, it was just about like that. <laughs> Stephen Harris, any, any, <laughs> for those again listening to podcast, Stephen Harris, just again, a little shake of the head. Uh, because you see other podcasts and other shows they do a thing called preparation and they let the guests know what they're going to be asked and what questions are going to be said on this one we don't do that we have a very we have a very loose run book um which isn't written down anymore everyone just has it kind of vaguely in their heads and then i just go off on a totally different tangent um and <laughs> do it that way um instead and the uh, oh yeah simon hughes there's three things in life uh, that are inevitable Death, taxes, and crusaders winning in Christchurch. Yes, um, definitely <laughs> kind of one of those. But actually, before we get on to that, then um, let's start on Friday night. Uh, the Reds, uh, the Rebels versus the Reds. Now, the reason I'm starting here is if I go to the good games and come to this, everyone will have switched off by, we do, by the time we do the bad games. So let's start off with the bad game, folks. There will be some good rugby coming later. Promise you. You can just hold on for that because this first one was shocking. Um, I think is probably the, the right term. Um, who am I going to throw to first? Uh, God, is Steve, Stephen, Mr. Harris, um, your thoughts uh, or anything, anything to take out of the Reds versus the Rebels? Boy, Rebels it, Reds. It, it was a hard, it, it was a hard watch. I tell you what, I've got to give Brad Thorne his juice because uh, you know after being part of the All Blacks and the Crusaders and and playing at a level which um, of rugby people appreciate, it must be hard work for him. Having to, uh, to to coach at, at that level. It, it definitely was a tough watch and probably at the end of the day, a draw was probably the right result for that particular game, guys, because, uh, yeah, just so many errors. None of, none of the teams could actually string anything together. No. Um, I, I, so I, I gave out coaching tips. Was it this one I gave out coaching tips too? No, it was last week I did coaching tips. God, dear me. This week I didn't bother. This I mean six nil at half time. I mean that's a decent football score, but it's not a very good rugby one, is it, Stephen? Mm-hmm. Is it conflict? Oh no, yeah. Uh, Stephen's right. It was it was a tough one to watch. It was error ridden, mistake ridden. The set piece was um, disjointed and broken and messy. Um, no one really took control of the game. Uh, there was two half pie number 10s that didn't really seem like they wanted to be number 10s. They weren't really looking out for the game. They weren't really playing a, a clever game. They weren't playing towards the style or the, or the conditions because it was, it was well, it wasn't wet, but it was greasy. You know, they weren't playing a, a clever sort of game anywhere about it. And it was just mistakes uh, and problems for everything. I mean, the biggest stat I found that amazed me about this game for the Reds, uh, they kicked six penalties to the corner for a line-out and lost all six of them. And <laughs> that just sums up pretty much how that night went for them. It was just just a disaster. And, I mean, super time. Not very aptly named, is it? <laughs> oh, you see, you've, you've been reading my tweets. 
That, 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 was, that was my best tweet from the weekend. Was uh, how who do I who do I go to to claim compensation for being missold super time? Um, <laughs> that was yes. Um, but uh, yeah, let's get straight. Let, well, yeah, well, let's let's talk about super time. So you started there. Um, so they so the, the, there's, there's there's two different ways. So we have Golden Point here in New Zealand, um, which is ten minutes of extra time, and the first side that scores wins. In Australia, they decide to do two halves of five minutes. Um, and again, whoever scores first wins, which basically meant that both sides decided that they didn't want to concede. Uh, and so we just ended up with 10 minutes of kickback or, or probably about five minutes of kickback and five minutes of resetting scrums. Um, it was the worst. The game had been bad. And then super time took, was super bad. Um, <laughs> it was... and. We just did my head in that the the Fox commentators were were trying to big it up and sell it as super time, super time, and you're just like, mate, are you watching the same game as I am? I know it's branded as super time, but that is absolutely horrible to watch. Um, yeah, that was perhaps the worst rugby I've ever uh, I've, I've had to sit through, um, and I've had to sit through some club games. I can tell you with some pretty low skilled guys. Um, so yes, that that was um, that was awful. <laughs> awful. Aaron goes, yeah, maybe the whole game should be five minutes long in Australia. It would save. It would, <laughs> it would, um, Brilliant. It would definitely, uh, definitely, yeah, definitely save me from wasting hours of my life um, on on some of their rugby because that was yeah awful. Look, twelve turnovers by the Rebels, twenty-one turnovers by the Reds. Um, as you've already said, conflict. Um, six lost lineouts by the um, the Reds and the Rebels lost um, four, um, so both of them down in the sixty percent completion rate for their lineouts. Um, Fifteen penalties by the Rebels, ten by the Reds. Okay, not as bad as the Waratahs the other week when they were up in the A teams, but still um, not very good um, either here on this one. Um, the um, I think. Uh, um, yeah, Jordan, we, we 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 absolutely could not comment on your on that that on, on your on your comment there about um, bordering on match match fixing by the TMOs. No, uh, I'm sure it wasn't. Um, the um, but I, you must have enjoyed the fact we had a couple of cards though, Cornflake. <laughs> and that's oh, quite, uh, it's, it's, it's almost a given. Here. And, well, I mean, I was going to talk about some positives. Now, some positives, I think the Reds fight back. It was a pretty good positive. Now, I mean, it wasn't much of a fight back considering the circumstances of how the game went. But, I mean, there was their game to lose. And they did come out quite well at the end, scoring pretty much a couple of minutes from the end to get to force the game into that super time. And they certainly carried that momentum through into that super period. Um, and really were the only team to have a chance to actually get a point, although that ball seemed to just get hung up and stuck in the clouds, didn't it? Because it just went up and stayed up and stayed up and just didn't come down. And Hegarty's almost upside down watching it go towards the <laughs> post. Uh, why he kicked that also was a bit perplexing as well. And um, he had done no kicking all night. Uh, so he stepped up to it. I guess maybe the range was about all I could really put it down to. Uh, a bit too long for the other guys. Uh, but yeah, it just, it just never seemed to come down that kick. But yeah, they did well to come back. I think they dominated that second half. Uh, accumulate their points nicely, got a little bit of excitement into the game, I guess, if you want to be really desperate about uh, this one. But, yeah, cards, discipline, 
yeah, it, it went hand in hand with a game of that sort of nature, didn't it? Because it was messy, it was scrappy, it was frustrating. Imagine we were watching it and we were sitting here getting frustrated and bored out of our brains. Imagine playing it. You must be just <laughs> ready to kick yourself in the foot because there's nothing went right um, throughout that game and not until the very, especially for the Reds, not until the very, very end. They actually got a little bit of momentum and carried that through, got some points. And, I mean, they should be, I think, if anyone's going to be happy from that, it's pretty hard to be. Uh, the Reds, once again, probably should be because they probably should have lost that game, really. Yeah, they should. I mean, the first half, um, whilst it was 6-0, I think we had four kicks at post turned down to go to the corner. As you say, um, neither side were executing that. And you're like, guys, look, just take the threes and you'll win this game. Neither side would, neither side was willing to do that. Um, what we saw here, I think, was in, in Matt Tamua and James O'Connor, we've got two good guys who can play 12 or fullback. Um, but they're playing 10, unfortunately. Uh, and they just don't have the right game management for this. We saw that with the James O'Connor um, interception that let Meeks run in unopposed for a try. He was overplaying in the middle of the park um, when there were three points behind. Uh, and and that suddenly went to t- at 18, t- at 18 8, you thought, this game's over. Hmm. You're right, they did come back. How did they come back? They came back because Matt Tamua did a very loose kick into the middle of the pitch. Um, straight down someone's throat, um, which allowed James O'Connor to run it back uh, in, as the kind of good fullback that he can be, um, or the good outside back that he can be. Uh, and so, yeah, there it was, 10s not doing their job proper, or, or two guys at 10 who aren't natural 10s um, being asked to control a game, and both of them, uh, yeah, not quite, not not really doing that. Um, I don't think that, to me, that was one of the uh, the things from this. Um, and they weren't really, um, it's not their game as a 10 either. Like, it's not their game, or sorry, the conditions weren't their style of game to play. Even if they were at 12, I think they would have been fairly ineffective as well because they, they are dry track sort of bullies, aren't they? They are guys that like to run. They are guys that like to create space by drawing um, players in and offloading or creating sort of space. They're not that old school, um, you know, kick to the corner, play territory, take set piece kick, kick, kick. They like to run. They like to attack. And it, it, that game just did not play in, into their favour at all. So I think it's the style of player they are. They're both sort of similar. And they were reluctant to, I guess, it's go into their shell. They still wanted to play their natural game. And that just, yeah, that wasn't happening in those sort of conditions for them. No, uh, we saw it in the turnovers. Yeah, you guys, you're just trying to force passes um, and, and that kind of thing, which just, yeah, they, they just shouldn't have been doing. Um, so, yeah. So let's get on to... Um, then it was the, the game of the weekend. I'm not sure whether we should leave this one to last or whether we should go chronologically, but we do go chronologically on this show. Um, so we'll stick that way. And I think this is why Stephen um, kind of messaged me just before the show going, hey, can I come on just 15 minutes to talk about this? Um, so I'm guessing it was this game that you wanted to talk about, Stephen. Harris. Yeah, you pretty much so. Listen, first of all, I, I just thought it was a great contest and it's probably the, the game of uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa at this stage, you know, in terms of the of the of the build up uh, leading into the game, I, I think on that alone, it pretty much it pretty much delivered. It delivered with the atmosphere. Now, there's not too many times you can silence a, a Canterbury crowd for a while, or you know, you pretty much got them when they when they actually start booing every decision. So it was a really good, genuine contest where I I probably felt at the halfway stage it really was anybody's game where I think some of the games that we've seen the Crusaders play in recent times, you just knew they would finish over the team that they were playing with. Unfortunately for the Blues, 
they finished over the the Blues on the back of um, you know a couple of pieces of uh, magic, which we'll get to shortly. Yeah, I mean this one kicked off um, at a real uh, pace, didn't it? I mean this there, there was um, it, it was really energetic um, early on. Uh, Satutu um, got himself over the line, but got held up over the line. Um, but um, eventually uh, they got under advantage soon after that. The Blues got ahead with a pass to Mark Talia. Um, uh, sorry, to unmarked um, Talia. Uh, Conflict, um, a lot of props for Talia in this game. Uh, and, and he had a great sort of first 20 minutes. But then I think he, the Bridge showed us why he's been voted as the number one um, winger by his peers uh, in New Zealand. I mean, he really shut Talia down, didn't he? Yeah, well, I mean, I mentioned this on Twitter during the game that the Crusaders are a team that can adapt and they can change their style and they can target sort of areas. They're a clever team and they're, they're a team as well. That's the thing about them. They can spot each other's uh, sort of areas they need to look out for. And I mean, he would have got the message and something would have triggered in there like like they do and what they did later on in the game just to know shut him down instantly he's not going to create he's going to go for something he's going to go for a corner and we've seen bridge straight after that um when he was really controlling the game he absolutely sacked him in a, a big splatter tackle as soon as he got the ball big hug down to ground done that two or three times and that really did shut him down big time it really did take out a lot of that creative force of him but i mean yes that's good by bridge the player can have the capabilities to do that but i think that's just the way the Crusaders play and the way they are, that he can or they can collectively target who are the guys they need to really watch, watch out for. And unlike we'll see later in the last game uh, of the round, teams often need half time where they can go inside and the coaches can say, hey, look, you need to look after this guy. He is absolutely killing you out there. The Crusaders are smart enough that they can target those guys on the run, out in the field in an instant, you know, and by then they haven't scored two or three tries and taken the game away from you. So that was a big, big difference to be able to step up like that and, and to shut him down. It's like we've seen other teams do to Caleb Clark with the Blues as well. When he's really on a rampage against the Highlanders, they shut him down and that changed the game for them as well. So, yeah, that's smart, clever, and there's a reason why he's one of the best wingers, not just for his attacking abilities. He's really strong defensively as well. Yeah, and in the air, which is why he's one of those kind of um, players who can happily play fullback and happily play wing. Um, as, as as well, isn't he? Uh, one of those kind of the balanced back three um, players. Um, in that first half, though, there were definitely mistakes. I mean, Mwanga kicked out in the full. A couple of team, a couple of players kicked out in the full in this game. Um, definitely a lot of pressure on them. I think they knew this was effectively a final um, for for both the teams uh, in this one. Uh, to me, it looked like the Blues were really trying to get outside that last winger because we know that um, Severis in particular likes to come in um, and try and cut off the ball. Um, but they just couldn't quite get it done um, and, uh, and to, to sort of get any more points on the board. Um, the Crusaders forced to kick, penalty, kick penalties at the end. Um, and uh, with a 2-7 penalty count in that first half hour, and they managed to get things down to one point game, 6-7 um, at half time. Um, and I think... Both, well, I think the Blues would have wanted to have had a um, to have had a few more points on the board than just the one try. I think they they, they definitely had the opportunities to 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 have, to have got some more, and we'll feel a bit disappointed to have been uh, that close at half time. Oh man, the, the, this is Crusaders going into this at half time, and mm. this they're happy. 
they're in one point. I mean, that is Crusaders. They could have gone in probably 7-3, and they would have been quite happy 10-3. Yeah, they were within that chance. All they need is that little, you know, to be within that scoring play, but for within single, single figures. And the Crusaders, they're happy with that because they know what they've done in that first half and, and as to wearing their opponent down. As long as they're within that chance, they are always going to be dangerous. And I think the Blues dominated the opening half an hour of that game, and they didn't get enough from it. They only got that one try. They needed more. And you, you just can't take that time against the Crusaders for granted that you are in control of the matchup. You have to take as many points as you can because you just don't know if you're going to get more chances like that again. That could be your last time to get those sort of points on the board. So they needed more from that. They need to go into halftime with you know mid-teens up towards 20 points on the board, really put that pressure on and force the Crusaders to come out in their second half with a lot of work to do. Yep. Now, um, Robert Ball asks, um, can you ask referee if the rules have changed uh, about the uh, about players jumping and then hitting the ball into play? Yes, the rules have changed. Um, so it's not where you take off from, but it's where you land. Um, and as long as the ball doesn't cross the line, I think line that the plane, you can sort of bat, bat it back in. So, um, yes, you're allowed to jump from out of play into play um, with the ball. Yes, you're right. The, the rules have or the laws have changed um, around that. And last week we had a, a long chat about that. And actually, yeah, a lot of people and um, uh, a lot of people say, yeah, basically disagree with it. We'd like to go back, back to back to the old rules of um, kind of where you land is where you are, um, or where, yeah, where, where you next touch the ground um, is, is, is where you are, rather than some sort of uh, in the air. I'm not, I'm not in or out of play um, kind of stuff. Um, the so yes, they came back. Um, actually, what Stephen Harris? What do you think about Harry Plummer's uh, the experiment with Harry Plummer at twelve? Um, he, he, listen, he he was solid. Didn't really see a lot of him. I only really saw him in one situation from a defensive situation. That might have been when um, Walter Blackhead left the field. Uh, listen, it didn't do a hell of a lot for me, to be brutally honest. Like, I, I, he, probably defensively, he was okay. But um, I just want to touch on something Steve said about the Crusaders being very, very smart and the Blues maybe not so smart, especially those, you know, there was a there was a real break in momentum around about that 30th minute. And one of the reasons was we had two side entries from Bowden Barrett and they were definitely side side entries. They weren't even non-clear cut, you know, they were, they were clear cut side entries and it just broke momentum. Then we had Offa Twang Fussy give away two penalties and you and you basically you'd be dominated but all of a sudden you're handing momentum back to the crusaders and that's what the blues kept on doing now the other area where i thought the crusaders were very very smart i thought the blues were doing really well in the physicality stakes they were actually hitting them behind the advantage line so all of a sudden they changed their tactics again hey we'll go to the high kick game and if you look at most of the contestable kicks most of those contestable kicks were won by the Crusaders. So you took that position away from the Blues when they really, really, really needed it. Yep. No, and they did play this possession game well. Um, over up being 60% possession, 61% territory, um, playing the game where they wanted to. I, things were looking pretty good um, around about 54 minutes. Um, I thought Kiriwani showed some rugby nous that we've not seen from him um, before with that quick taken penalty. He understood um, where the ball was, uh, what the situation was, the fact that he could run quickly into a player, get advantage, keep himself up, get the ball free, and knew that, hey, look, we've got another free play here. 
um, because they didn't retreat 10. Um, so I thought actually, I, so I was really, I thought that, that was um, good thinking by Akira straight in front of the post there. Um, now, a lot of people are talking about the fact that the conversion was charged down as being a turning point. Um, and I wouldn't, I, I think it was much more Richard Mwanga's uh, little grubber restart where he spotted that the Blues had fallen asleep. They weren't marking the short one, grubbed it, picked it up. Um, and I thought, that, yeah, wonderful piece of play by Richard Mwanga there. Had um, Someone was saying, oh, yeah, um, uh, great kind of instinct play. No, 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 no. That's not instinct play. That's something he's practiced over and over and over again. So he gets it exactly right. And he know, and he's just waiting for the opportunity to use it. And he saw a good opportunity and used it well. Um, so, yes, I thought that was, uh, yeah, I thought, to me, it's more what Richard Mwanga did rather than the charge down that I think changed the momentum um, at that point. Paul, I'm going to interject there, but I, I actually think the charge down breathed a bit of life into the crowd. Uh, and, and, and it just gave gave it a bit of momentum. I think I think you're right about Moanga. It's something that he he's practiced. And what it did, the charge down, I reckon, deflated the Blues walking back when they were thinking, "Here we are. We we well, this kick should go over." And they were busy lamenting their misfortune and that kick missing that they were they weren't awake. And you spoke about Akira Yuani before. If the Blues learn anything when they play the Crusaders again. You've just got to be switched on and take those opportunities really, really quick. That's, that's the sort of thing that made Zinzan Brook such a great player. He'd do that instinctive quick tap thing, and you're seeing that with the, with the Crusaders. They really do think on their feet. And, you know, that up until that moment, that had taken the crowd out of the game. The crowd, the, when that try was scored, you could hear a pin drop. And all, then all of a sudden, you heard a cheer around. Now, to hear that cheer must have been amazing for those Crusaders players. And the Blues walking back, probably thinking to themselves, oh, no, and they're so focused on, on that. What they basically needed is to be onto it, get a good field exit, and get back in the half and force Canterbury to play or the Crusaders to play in their half. So I, yeah, whilst it may not have been the big thing, I think it was a part from a, from a mental aspect, I think it played its part. I was going to pinpoint that that passage, that whole period, and the build-up to that try as well, because that was that absolute oh, chaotic storm of, of a referee call before that as well, That before that try, um, where the ball... Well, I mean, no one really knows what on earth went on there. The ball bounced around everywhere. The TMO said one thing. The referee said something else. He eventually decided to go against what the TMO said. The crowd didn't like it, so they were on their backs. The Crusaders were probably, you know, a bit, a bit peeped off of that as well, because that went against what actually happened on the the television replays. I think it was a, a accumulative thing that plus then the try being scored. And then I think, you know, that's just like that that was the the switch, you know, of just that's it. It's time, it's time to go. It's it's time to turn it on. Charge down kick. Up goes the crowd. Up goes, you know, the adrenaline. Oh, Richie's just done this brilliant little thing and then scorched through 20 meters. We're in there 22. Up goes the crowd. Up goes the adrenaline. Then it turns mental, and the Blues go, oh, dear, this isn't good. The crowd's yeah. on their feet. Our lead yeah. isn't, you know, what yeah. it should be. We've thrown away some points. We're starting to get flustered. We're on the back foot defensively. They're charging at us at a rate of knots. They're offloading. They're fast ball. They're breaking tackles. They just, 
it couldn't handle it. And I mean, it was that tempo rise. You just saw, I think I talked about in the preview, it might have been Paul, I can't remember if it was that or, or last week, about how most of the other teams, especially the Chiefs, seem to just have that flatline pace where it doesn't matter if, if they've got the momentum on their side or they're doing poorly, they just go that same speed. The Crusaders show just what it takes to be a good team. That ability, it, they just, at the flick of a switch, they just went from cruising along, playing okay, you know, it was a tight game, but then bang, they just up that tempo like nothing else. And I mean, there's very few teams in the world that could handle that sort of play when they're on, when things are going like that, and when they've got their backs up, crowd on them as well. It, it's just, it's near on an impossible thing to stop. And it, it looked inevitable. As soon as it happened, they started getting a few phases, that pace, it was just like, oh, this is not looking good for the Blues. If they can keep this up for the rest of the game, it is all over. And I think those two halves had a, such a massive similarity about them as well. The first half, that Blues dominated for 25, 30 minutes. And then the Crusaders took over, got back in the game. You saw that second half, the Blues dominated early. Again, didn't get that good little portion of the lead. And then as soon as that took over, you just knew. It's like the Blues aren't going to get another chance now. They either have to hold the scoreline or that, that's it, because their chance is gone. Yeah. And yeah. poof, it was. You, you see it happening, it was inevitable. It was like watching a tidal wave come in on the beach. Uh, it was just always going to crash into the city, and that's what happened uh, for the Blues. Sadly, uh, it was a great game overall, but the Crusaders just can just turn it on when they yeah. want, and they yeah. are just there's something in the next level. And, you, I mean, you've got to credit the Blues here, because no one has pushed them so far. The Crusaders just, has just cruised along. Sure, they've been pushed, but they've never gone to that next level. And I think, you know, at that 60th minute or, or so that it was, they were forced and had to go to that next level. And that is something we've not seen from this season, which is which is brilliant to see. And, and you've got to credit the Blues for that. They have actually pushed them up to that next tier. Yeah, and there, and, and there were a couple of players from the Blues who had been played well up till, till then, all of a sudden started making smet, uh, mistakes. Um, the, 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 the red-headed halfback, he... He puts a, a kick straight over the sideline, you know. It was supposed to be a contestable kick. You give away field position, then you had Bowden Barrett with a kick that uh, unfortunately didn't find the uh, inside the white line as opposed to the outside white line. It, it was, um, yeah, it, yeah, you know, it's basically small margins at this level, and, and that's why this game really did have a, a test match feel about it, but it also had an inevitability about it once the Crusaders hit that lead, once that momentum from the the, the crowd got involved, it, it, it was really, really quite interesting. There was some, there was some, I'm saying that, there was some good individual performances as well. You know, some players that can basically look at their games and, well, you know, they've either, they've enhanced their reputations. You know, somebody like um, uh, Satutu, who uh, is birthday today, uh, I mean to say, his contesting of ball against Sam Whitelock I thought was just unbelievable, and, and and you saw his power and strength with that first uh, first no try. Yeah, he's he's making every post a winner. And hey, Akira Yuani, where have you been for the last uh, two or three years? It it, it kind of looks it looks like you're back, you know. Then you had players that we've talked about, like Mark Talia, potential All Black, but unfortunately, you actually found out who the All Black was on the <laughs> night. And George Bridge, he he came back. In, in, in terms of the mat, the matchups, I do before I go just want to do touch about a, a a rule as well, guys. But I'll let you guys um have a crack in and around some players that you guys might have been impressed with. 
I just want to add on what you said about how the Blues players, who were so good for that first 60 minutes, then fell off. I think we can see the uh, the flip side of that. Like Richie Moanga, he's getting all the plaudits for how good he played, but he was pretty invisible for that first 50, 60 minutes. So he, he was steady enough, as were most of the Crusaders, but he just flipped it over the other side. And, and when you know the good players who look good, when the pressure come on, fall off, the better players or the top-tier players, when the pressure come on, they step it up in another gear. So there we've seen just what it's like. Like say, that's when the All Blacks, you know, those guys that are at that top level, that's when they start to show up and, and really do go to that next tier of, of play. I do, yeah. Um, in, in the chat, Aaron, yeah, Kurt Eklund um, came on. Oh, brilliant. Um, a really good game. Oh. Very, very good. Yep. Um, obviously played a lot longer than he was expecting to have um, to do because of... Uh, um, the the injury came on in the first half. A really good game. Um, yeah, Satuta will be an All Black. Yeah, we we I think everyone's uh, saying that. And we've seen that with the fact that he's been got the contract extension um, as well. Um, Barris is far better ten than fifteen. I don't know. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely a very very good ten. I think he's a decent fifteen as well though, um, for that matter. Um, and I, but I think one of the things you're talking about here is uh, when there's sort of some of the players with me is look. Um, Again, I've seen things where people say, "Oh, look, uh, Mwanga outplayed Barrett yet again um, in a in a face-off. He's the better fly half." It's like, well, actually, there's more to it than that. Like the mm. platform you're getting from your forwards um, and the support you get from other players as well. It's not just down to two players um, playing it out. So, yeah, I don't agree with that one personally. I did question though at night at um, sixteen fifteen. You got a one-point lead. The Crusaders in front of the posts, got um, five meters out. And they kicked the sticks. I, I thought at that point, five minutes after they'd scored their try, everything was going for them. I'd have put down a scrum five minutes out from there and tried to kill the game rather than uh, just get yourself um, four points in head, four points ahead. Paul, it's three easy points in a tight game. Yeah. You, you, you throw it over, you put, you put the pressure back on the visitors um, on the scoreboard immediately. Uh, you brought the crowd into the game. I, I actually thought it was the, uh, I thought it was the right decision in the past. At times, we've actually seen the, the Crusaders being guilty of actually kicking kicking to the corner and not often getting paid. To, you know, nine times out of ten, they normally do. But I, I think it, the, it was the right decision, and the game, well, the win showed it was the right decision. I think we talked about it in the preview, didn't we? How the Crusaders will turn this into a test match atmosphere. That's what they did, and they brought with it test match um, tactical play as well. What do you do? I mean, it doesn't matter. Bonus points to don't even no no not even a, a statement to even make about that. It's all about the victory. Uh, yeah, you take the points, carry it on. They were they were so in control at that point that they were in control far beyond what they could have ever have dreamt of at that stage. So they were just yeah blitzing the Blues. They go back, restart, and um yeah. They weren't relinquishing it at that point. It was just all read. Well, Aaron agrees with me. He thought it was a strange, a strange call um, as well. I, I think they should have gone for the scrum there and, uh, and and got the try and got themselves more than a score ahead. But, um, but there you go. Um, we'll agree to disagree <laughs> on that one. But yes, um, look, that's um, four wins out of four for the... Um, um, for the uh, um, for the Crusaders, plus a, a couple of bonus points in there as well. You've got to say, uh, whilst they had their fingers on the um, trophy with those bonus points before the game, yep, they've got one hand on the trophy, haven't they, um, Cornflake? I can see if 
putting that hand out there and grabbing it. <laughs> Give it to them now. Let's be done with it. Well, the rest of us will just fight over third and fourth, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of funny watching the game today between the um, the, the the Hurricanes and the Highlanders and the commentators going, "Oh yes, they're playing this to stay in the competition." To, to kind of, <laughs> you know, neither of these sides are going to get anywhere near winning this competition. Uh, There's only one place it's going to, and that's the Crusaders. Look, we're off. <laughs> this is yeah. Doesn't matter what happens in this one. This is not going to alter who wins the tournament. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Unless we're going back into lockdown four, I, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, uh, I think that's that's the only only result. But one area I do want to touch on, guys, and um, I'll be interested to get some feedback. There are a couple of penalties where the Blues were pinged for players being trapped in, in the ruck. And now one of them clearly showed that Bryn Hall was basically had his knee on the player who couldn't move. Um, I often I often like the way that Nigel Owens referees a game he will basically call out a referee or a player holding a player down and pretty much call him out and say, you know exactly what you're doing. You're holding this player and you're holding him down. The ball is free. It's there and it's available. Now, to, to me, guys, it just seems blinking harsh. We, you, you saw Dalton Papali with a brilliant offensive tackle and there was no way he could physically roll away. He was trapped in there. I would rather we went back to the un, the old rule, unplayable attacking team gets the ball again. To me, it's not worth three points, guys. Seriously. Okay. This comes down to a um, coaching kind of point, is that, look, um, they are tough, tough calls, but basically it's kind of like, right, you need to tackle in a way that you don't land on that side of the tackle. And that's part of it. It's it's not about whether you can. It's not about being able to roll away. It's about not getting there in the first place, because they're trying to provide quick ball. Um, I get yeah yeah. I, I maybe a free kick rather than rather than a penalty, so you can't kick for three. Um, but um, but yeah, you can't just you, you the, the the law basically says you can't put yourself there in the first place. Um, if you do, you're at risk of this. The law's a mess. <laughs> I mean, I, if the ball's there and you can get it and it's, it's like you say, available and things like that, then what, what's the big deal? If he's all over the ball, then sure. You know, if he's lying on the ball, if he's in the way of the ball, okay. And I mean, we've seen Aaron Smith do it uh, a bit differently, but when he ran onto that player that was trying to roll away and he just ran into him and fell over him next to the ruck in the game against the Canes just gone tonight. I mean, yeah, you're milking the hell of it, aren't you? But I mean, it's pretty much a silly sort of thing to do. I mean, he wasn't going to run that line anyway. Uh, he was going to pass it. It's just, yeah, it's a bit silly, but yeah, it's the thing of the referees, isn't it? Then they they have this things they can be opinionated on, and then they have these things that they just go straight to the letter of the law, regardless of of, of how it, it plays out. But yeah, if the ball's there, just go, just play. And if if it's not stopping the play, then why stop the play? Yeah, if it's also if you're not interfering with play, yeah, then then it shouldn't be called. Absolutely. Um, and there was one there where. Uh, the the, um, the scrum half could get to the player, could get to the ball, um, but but the the player was between him and the ball. But yeah, he, he could he could still get to the ball. So let him get the ball and just play on. Um, just rock him. Um, Bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> Says the man from Southland who just yeah who's who's kind of like 
I really just want this way they played back in the 80s. <laughs> Before my time, Paul, come on. <laughs> okay, 90s then, I don't know. Um, you know, the other thing is, uh, you know, one of one of the uh, posters just sort of message, even the, even the defending teams are coming up with strategies to keep to keep the tacklers locked in. And, and don't tell me that they're not working on that because there's, mm. there's enough video footage to work out what you can and can't do. And I would suggest the, um, you know, just to, to my way of attacking, we've, we've given all the rights to the, uh, the, the attacking team and taken a few away from the defending team. I, I just think it's something we gotta, we got to look at. I'm going to hang in there, guys, because when we're talking referees, I do want to touch on a couple of incidents from the Highlanders and um, Kane's game this afternoon. So I, yesterday I was at um, Manukau versus um, Papatoitoi uh, and uh, I talked to the um, referee after that game um, and said, hey, are you guys using the same law or the same interpretations that they're using for Super Rugby or are you keep sticking to the, um, to the normal ones? And he said, no, no, we've been asked to do the same thing as the Super Rugby referees. Um, and he says, but it's taking a while for the players and for us to adjust to it. Um, and one of the comments in here um, about saying, I think uh, I'm starting to think referees are easing up on the breakdown and the offside line a bit in the last couple of weeks. That is what he's referring to. Yeah, the referees getting more used to it um, and deciding what is and what isn't going to be um, called for. So, yes, it has um, ha it has definitely changed um, a little bit. Um so congratulations to Crusaders. You've won the competition. Um, you've just got to play four more games to prove it, basically. Um, uh, and uh, in the, the live chat, yes, the Blues probably will come second. Um, and then it's a bit of a scrap between the Canes and the Highlanders, probably for third um, and fourth, with the Chiefs finishing last, let's be honest. But hey, we just got we let's um we do have five weeks to to, to decide that. On the other side of the ditch, though, we then had the, the um we followed that game up, one of the best games of rugby we've seen this year, um, <laughs> with um, one that wasn't, put to put bluntly. Um, the Waratahs versus the Force. Um, and in that first half, the first 35 minutes, the, War the Force went out to a 0-14 lead. And a lot of us thinking, yes, heart overhead might win for a change. Nah. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but uh, whilst the, for the Force scored 14 unanswered points, um, then the Waratahs decided to score 23 unanswered points um, to win it. Um, yeah, really, this. I, thought, I, I mean, Corfe, you, you meant you were when we did the preview, you were saying, "Hey, look, they've got a spine there." But this really was Super Rugby players versus club players with with a few Super Rugby players in, involved, right? I didn't get that impression, not whatsoever. No? The I, I got the impression that the Waratahs actually got what to got told what to do at half time, and they actually, for once in their careers, actually executed it for a change, which they don't normally have the ability to do. The force dominated them, territorially kicking, absolutely destroyed them. Bernard Stander destroyed the Waratahs in that first thirty-eight minutes. They, they were all over them. They were pinned back. They were pinned down. John O'Lance is a perfect executor of that sort of tactical kicking game. And his experience, he had that game on a string. But the difference, the Waratahs came out in their second half and they just played, well, boring, 
Australian rugby. It was just they slowed it down. They kept in the forwards. They denied the force any ball. And they kept them pinned down that way. The force kicked free. They just slowly trudged their way back up again. They'd kick away. They'd trudge their way back up. I mean, it was clever. It was well played. And I guess you credit the coaching staff and the ability that they did to change the way they were playing and take the take it to the force that way because they obviously identified that's how they could change the game. But yeah, it was, it was a contrasting two halves. The force, I thought, played really well in that first 40 minutes or first 38 minutes. Um, and if they can keep that standard up, if they can learn how to, I guess, play more of that, that slow forward baseball that, that, that the uh, Waratahs did show them, I think as much as I'd never like to praise Michael Hooper, he did a lot of work in that second half. Um, and he was probably his best game he's had for a number of years now. So that was really, really good for them. Um, but yeah, Bernard Stander, he, he was man of the match. Um, but I really did enjoy it from Ferris's Stowers as well. The rest of their back row, I thought, for the force <laughs> was really, really, really good. So um, yeah, they just... Just let it slip in the second half. Couldn't find the momentum and just couldn't get back into that territory game. But it was, it was great to watch as they came in. And I think they, oh, I think they proved a pretty decent little point here that they can actually play to that level. And they are thinkers enough to actually get over and, and have a game plan that could be better. But they just didn't have that plan B for when the Waratahs come out saying a little bit better in that second half. Yeah. yeah and, and I was about to say, um, Paul, Another key moment for me was just that try just on half-time to that young prop bell as well. Just giving away a penalty, giving that giving that field position and just giving them a little bit of momentum. 14-0 at half-time would have sounded a hell of a lot better than 14-7. Mm. So it just meant that the Waratahs weren't that far off. And then basically Harrison hit that penalty just after half-time and another one again on the 60th minute. And they were pretty much almost back on level terms and, th- and from there on, there on out I thought the I thought the force also had played the played that first half just surely on you know being back in being back playing top top level rugby it kind of looked like a, uh, a a little guy shield challenging throwing everything at the challenger in the in the first 40 minutes and then completely running out running out of uh, running out of uh, puff in the in the second half. And you know what? I, I will I will jump in um, on on Alex's comment about the commentary being so boring. And I'd also like to credit you, Paul. Credit you because you can actually have tried to say Mark Nawanganita was his name, whereas those mugs in the Australian commentary, what did they call him, Marky Mark? That is massively so underprofessional. Unprofessional. When I heard them say that, I'm like, take your job seriously, man. I mean, you're, you're there as a, a, a gifted man just, you know, rocking up because, oh, you're a former wallaby. I can do what I like. Uh, get a grip. Learn to do your job properly. Learn to say the names. Even Paul's given it a crack and has a half-decent job of it, but at least give it a go. I mean, anyone else can have a go and say it, and we're just, you know, ragtag amateurs down here, and we can say it all right. Hey. We're very good, <laughs> very, 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 very skillful well, pictures, not ragtag. How dare you? Um, but the uh, yeah, no, you're right. It, it, it was Kafer um, that was doing that. Uh, to be fair to the um, the actual caller of the game, mm. um, he was he was doing it right. But the the your the the experts or the summarizers or whatever you want to call them, they yeah, you're right. Kafer was using Marky Mark rather than no accident. No one, I've got him lost. I'm laughing now. No one to watch it. Um, I I literally sat here (laughs) during that game just saying it over and over again 
after the lead commentator had said it, trying to get be- trying to get better at it. Sorry, for, I, 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 I've actually spent some time on this name, unlike all the others, <laughs> because I, <'cause> <laughs> in all honesty, this is a kid who is good, right? And we're going to see him around for the next ten years. So yeah, learn to say his name, Kafer. You're getting paid to do this. Spend the next five days just saying it over and over again. Don't do anything else because let's be honest, everything else comes out out, out, out of your mouth is crap as well. But at least get one thing right. Um, the so yes, um, Isaac says that uh, he likes the 50 20 50 22 rule, um, and that definitely helped out the um, uh, the, the, the 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 Tars. They played it, they, I think they, they played that well, and that's they used that well in the second half. A bit of controversy over, over whether it was a pass back into the half or not, um, and it just means. This, this this rule that you can't pass it back into your own fifty to kick it over the kick it into the twenty two, to me, you're just um, adding more things for the referee to have to look at and to check. Look, what, why are you making it a harder job for him? Just look. If the kick comes out of the fifty and goes over the twenty two, look, that's it. It's good enough. Whether it's passed back in or not, just um, really, I, I, I don't think that was, that was required. But um, yeah, um, that led to the tiles bashing over under the posts. Uh, and yeah, and I think as, as Steve has, uh, sorry, Cornflake, as you've said before, um, it allows the game to swing and for, mm. and for teams to get themselves out of the um, out of jail. We're running a bit over, and this was a bad game. So congratulations, <laughs> Waratahs. We're going to move on. Um, Hurricanes versus the Highlanders. 27 minutes and no score. Wow. Um, but uh, Stephen, yeah, you said you wanted to talk about referees in this game. So let's start, let's start with the referees. Wait, wait, wait. One thing. Can I I ask when Asafa Almua is going to move to Auckland? What? Well, he's got the hairdo. Just waiting for the (laughs) (laughs) shift. Carry on. (laughs) He would would definitely fit right in. Obviously, 27 minutes, you you mentioned there was no, no tries. I reckon there should have been at least one try that was ruled out and that was the try against the Highlanders. Um, Against. I, I personally didn't think there was a lot in there. I, I personally think that that try should have still stood in 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 my book because that player was never going to make the tackle. What I couldn't believe it took them one look to work that out, that one out, but it took Pickerel about seven to work out down the other end of the paddock that a player had been obstructed, and that was a clear obstruction. You didn't need to look at it two or three times, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if that uh, a hot start would have made a a big difference for the for the Highlanders, but to me, I personally think that try should have stood. I think they were just admiring how amazing that break was from Mitch Hunt. Let's be honest, that was a scorcher. Yeah, because to my way of thinking, <laughs> what what actually what actually fooled the defenders? He looked like he was going to kick, mm. and they all hesitated, and then he boom, he went. Now, I did. I personally didn't feel a lot. I don't think that defender could have reacted fast enough, in in, in my opinion. I see Alex Lovell doesn't agree with me. That's all right, Bray. You're down to. Um, no, 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 no. Alex was laughing at the fact that that's his. Um, that, that that's how you summarise the game. No try obstruction. That's that. that that's the whole summary. Um, but, down, the, but, down, but, but down the other end, oh, I just cannot believe, and I'm sure Cornflake will agree with me. Why were they having so many mm. looks? It was. You know, to me, it was pedantic from Pickerel. He should have made a decision straight away, even from the naked eye. 
you could see it straight away. It only needed to go to the T TMO once, and between the two of them, look at it. Yeah, obstruction, clear obstruction. I think yeah. it was kind of a tit for tat sort of thing, wasn't it? It's like, well, we did like one down that end, just kind of same sort of thing down this end again. So, yeah, we we can't be seen as being un you know unbalanced in this sort of situation. It was so close together, but yeah, the, they were both pretty light, really. I thought, yeah, I thought the the I thought the 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 one that gave Hunt the gap was a little nudged, but to me, yeah, the, the, I think the gap was there um, either way. So I, I I think the I think the Highlanders try should have stood. For me, the Canes one, he clearly runs behind the player. Mm. Now, oh, yeah. would, would that player have tackled him? No, maybe, probably not. But it made the next player come in mm. and it made all the outside players change their alignment, which is what gave Lamapi, which what meant there was no one marking Lamapi. So to me, the Canes, the Canes try should not have been allowed and wasn't. So I think the first try should have been allowed, but the second one shouldn't have been. Um, in my in, 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 in my view, now to be fair, we didn't get the end-on view of the um, uh, of the Highlanders try, and I think um, we I think that was the view you shot you needed to see. If there was a big gap between those two defenders, which it looked like from the side, but it's hard to tell from the side, then yeah, nothing in it. Um, if they were really if 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 they were closer than it looked from the side, then maybe, but. Um, yeah, from the angle we had, which wasn't great, I don't, I don't think there was much in it for the for the for the, for the Highlanders try. Um, I thought Fletcher Smith in this game. I mean, it's someone that we've talked about as being a bit of a journeyman. I mean, he's on his third um, Super Rugby team already, and he's only in his early early to mid twenties. Um, he had good moments in this game, but he drifted in and out for me a bit um, here. That. Uh, yeah, this was a game he needed to, to grab by the neck. Now, I don't know if that's because Geordie Barrett spent so much time at first receiver. Um, and doesn't and basically he's not being allowed to run the game. Um but uh, yeah, I I uh, to me that was um because there's been a bit of talk about Fletcher Smith. I at Smith's end cup level, I think he's fantastic. I'm just yeah, can he make this step up to this level? Um, I'm not sure at the moment. Um for that. Um Aaron Smith, uh, uh, TJ would love to have uh, that that one. Aaron Smith, where he dummies. Aaron Smith, stand. You're the pillar man. I understand you're 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 back. You're not a forward. You're a pillar man. You just stand there until the ball's 15 meters away. Don't go. Don't go with the. Don't go with the dummy. Um, and by going, yeah, he let TJ Pirinari just walk over. Um, the Canes just sort of ran out of players um, there. And boy, Van Wick must just is, is is loving life in New Zealand. And I think the they spotted something that the Highlands have got away with for the for the opening few weeks, which is putting Mitch Hunt on the wing. And if Van Wick gets the ball on the wing and sees Mitch Hunt, Mitch Hunt in front of him, oh boy, that's a try all day long. That's that, um, yeah, yeah. They, they isolated Mitch Hunt well, um, and I think. Uh, the Highlands are going to have to look at that and put Mitch Hunt back into where he should be, which is defending the 10 channel. Paul, Paul, you just touched on something I was going to touch on with this game. Listen, I love Aaron Smith to bits and what he brings, but he missed three tackles in this game. Um, Mitchell's a concern. That's a real concern. 
for the Warriors that uh, the Warriors for the uh, for the Highlanders. <laughs> beg your pardon. Ouch. For the Warriors as well. Ouch. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry, you have all the Highlanders supporters. It's it's a bit of a concern when both your halfback and your first five are not great defenders. And if you look at three, at least two of those three tries, um, unfortunately Smith involved in one. You're dead right. That's his man. He. Mm. He what he doesn't do it. He doesn't leave that post, but he left that post. And you look at um, Mitchell one on one versus Van Vake. I know he's a big man, but a better tackle has to be made than that. I mean, to say Rob, I think it might be Rob Thompson or C.O. Tomkinson that got across and almost took Van Vake into touch. They uh, they had a second look at it, but it was the correct of it uh, decision. The trailing foot looked like he got the ball down before the trailing foot hit the line but I think that's and I think Cornflake will agree with me it's that's a real um, issue for the uh, for the uh, the Highlanders we all know what a good defender TJ is uh, Steve well I mean it's what we talked about before with the Crusaders isn't it it's that ability to on the fly develop and, and evolve and change the way they're playing if something's not working or it's being picked out by their opponent most other sides don't have that ability to go through and do that yeah, and if you look at the, um, the the stats here, Smith, you're right, missed three tackles. Mitch Hunt missed four. Um, now, Seo Tomkinson made 14, missed nil. He had a real good game. Oof. Problem is, everybody around him was missing them. Thompson missed three. Nariki missed three. Gregory missed four. He was the only player in that back line making his tackles. So it's pretty simple, folks. Just Run at somebody else other than Tomkinson because he, he can tackle. I actually think it was a game that the there was an opportunity there for the Highlanders to actually win this, but yep. from there were a couple of instances from turnover ball, <clears throat> and excuse me, there was another one I can recall under advantage coming on this this side closest closest to us when you're looking at your at your set, and Thompson for some unknown reason it's under advantage. You've got two men outside you. He kicks, and it's I know Rob Thompson's been talked about. As, as an all-black centre, but but to me, I don't think he sets up his, his outsides very well. He, mm. he he just runs a little bit too far. He's better off off moving it. There, there was another occasion where he had Nareki on the outside, the two players outside him. That ball needed to be moved, and then you back up. I think his game style has changed over the last season, since last year and this year, or in the last year and this year. I think maybe something to do with the confidence he's got with guys outside him. Um, having that those unknown wingers or those you, you, um, young guys coming through, maybe he's taking a little bit more of that responsibility on his own shoulders because he's he's certainly not the creator as in you know carrying a defender or dragging two defenders in and getting a pass away just before or in the tackle sort of player that he was beforehand. He's more of a turn into just a a, a, a barger uh, sort of player, which is kind of taken away a lot of his best attributes, I think, because he did quite did quite a good job of that. Um, and, you know, when, you, when you've got Naholo outside you, as opposed, you know, to Scott Gregory or Nariki, I mean, Nariki has, has been good. I think he's coming on quite nicely this season. But I just don't think their confidence is there in that finishing ability or in the man outside that they're going to get, you know, that sort of same service that they'll get from a, a Naholo or a Ben Smith or some guy like that who's sitting outside him. So I think that's changed his game plan a little bit. Uh, I certainly agree. He's not had the season this year at all uh, to the, what the best of what Rob Thompson can be. The same Highlanders could have won this one, but in all honesty, the, the Hurricanes should have had this one tied up by half time. They made twenty. The, the, the Highlanders missed twenty three tackles. 
the Hurricanes had seven clean breaks before halftime, but only managed two tries at 12-0. Their last pass was awful. Um, they just kept dropping the ball when they had tries at their disposal. The Canes should have had this one wrapped up by halftime. The, 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 the Highlands improved in the second half, um, but um, which is why we just saw the one try and the one scored by the Canes, which was just after the... Uh, the half hour mark, just straight after half time, but that was when Dylan Hunt was injured in the backfield and they just ran out of defenders. He's and that's one of his jobs is being that high energy defender. Um, but after that, the, the, the Highlanders contained them. But yeah, the Hurricane should have had this one sewn up by half time, I think. Have they suffered a bit, I reckon, in their line out? Definitely, they they are missing Josh Dixon and then when Paddy Paddy Parkinson went off, uh, it, it completely fell to pieces. Um, yeah, Shelby Ricketts is, is a decent little player, Wetton's a good workhorse player, but they're not those the, the leaders. They need one of those leaders in there to direct it. I mean, Parkinson was nailing those line outs all night long. They were going to him, he was at the front, he was in the middle, he was moving around, he was, they were hitting the man all the time. Uh, when he went off, it just it, it fell apart, they were overthrowing it. Uh, they were you know, falling too far back and getting uh, pinched at the front. So that that really killed their last little period, I think. And they they need one of those two guys to play, you know, the full match. And you kind of get the impression from the Highlanders when they know the game's done, they drag Aaron Smith. When they're still in the game, they really want to win it. They keep him on for the full 80. But when when it's like, oh, it's going to take a miracle, we'll just, we'll just save him for the last you know, 10, 15 minutes or something like that for next week instead, which, I mean, is a big, big game for them now, especially uh, against the Chiefs. So, yeah, they, they packed it in, but their line-out was uh, definitely a, a big part of, of the finishing that they couldn't get that job done. But uh, I've only credit the Hurricanes. It's easy to talk about what the Highlanders did bad, but the, the Hurricanes pack I thought was amazing compared to what we probably expected it to be. Uh, the big guys, the back five, as I'd call them, the second round, the back row, carried really well, and Lamalpa and Arso were pretty much just an extension of that back row as well. And they always got over the game line. They always got forward. They got them on the front foot. And that just, you know, carried on. And they, they made easy guards when they had those guys charging forward. Karifi with ball in hand was really, really good as well. Um, and that was a big, big difference that the Highlanders couldn't bring on their side of the game when they had that little ball they had, which they made about triple the tackles or near the end of the game. It was a, a ridiculous stat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tackle count, like 188, and it was still five or ten minutes to play. So uh, that, yeah, a lot of defense, not enough ball. And that the Highlanders just didn't take the chances they had with the little ball they got. And they had they did a lot of tackling last weekend against Crusaders as well. Yep. Um, they they need to yeah they need to sort that out. Um, Frizzell again. Yep. He had a good game um, in there and didn't, perhaps didn't get the uh, didn't get the love from the commentators. But yeah, no, I thought he 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 did he did well. Um, and the chief says Aaron Smith is still good, but he's getting on now. Hopefully the landers have a young one learning from Smith. Well, Fakatava. There we go. <laughs> But why Fakatava isn't on the bench and playing, I've got no idea. Every time we've seen him, he's been fantastic. But mm. we, he just, he's just not getting the opportunities at the moment, which is, uh, which um, is, is, is uh, yeah, sad from our point of view. I see one of the one of the one of the um, posters put on that they should be looking at Lima Sopoanga. You know, I would be approaching Will Jordan and saying, "Mate, <laughs> the fullback position is your position. If you want it." Um, you're there. You you won't you won't have to sit on the bench, mate. At the Crusaders, it's it's your position. It's an opportunity for you to develop your game under the roof. You know how the uh, the style the Highlanders like to play. Play. He's the guy I would personally be approaching. Although I am wondering, um, is Mackay's injuries quite serious? <laughs> why we've not thought of him? He's not injured. 
You're kidding. He's, he's not on their injury list. No. He took gold, that's about to say. Yeah, we've got no idea why he's not playing. Wow. I must be missing something. There's something going on in the camp. We're all missing something. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Not not being part of the camp, we don't know. But so, yeah, something something's got to got to happen in the camp because he he was he yeah he why he's not getting game time. Well, he was that guy, wasn't he? Like talk about Will Jordan. You know, he was that promising guy. What was it, two years ago that was tearing it up, and they said exactly what you said. You know, that was his chance opportunity. That would be yours. Come down to the Highlanders and and do your thing and, and develop there, knowing you get that regular starting position that you don't get at the Crusaders. And what's yeah. happened? Yeah, a lot of, listen, I, I don't think they've been helped by injuries, and, and I hope the injury to Dylan Hunt isn't serious, mm. although it did not look good. But also, no. you know, you lose Lynchies as well. You know, they, they had a crop of really, really good sevens, and, you know, by the time they, they ended that game, they pretty much had three tight forwards running around, uh, you, you know, in the back row. So, yeah, that's, that's another area that's hurting them. But, you know, I just want to highlight one guy. I don't know what it is, but he just gets better with age. But Ash Dixon, seriously, um, that 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 little bit of skill off the mall to just hold, uh, you know, just hold the defender in nicely and recognise there was a gap down that side. You know, just just outstanding play, and yeah, he's like a good wine, isn't he? He's just getting better with age. But also, yeah, his he had his head up. Um, so as soon as Amua came in and joined. He's like, right, boys, let's roll it this way. Drag in that that guy. Once he's in, now I'm going. Yeah. Um, and, and he could he could so easily have gone early um, or later um, and, and got snaffled. But no, it, yeah, it's uh, the, the awareness when he's supposed to have his, his head around someone's bottom, kind of hidden away, not being able to see anything, with, um, and pushing um, to guide that ruck, to guide that mall, sorry, to drag in the player and then to immediately go and put Aaron Smith in the corner. Yeah, very, really good play. And how about that win, Dave? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe it's taken this long for you to mention it. Jeez. <laughs> oh, wind man Paul, up to the tricks again. There we go. Yeah, it's all down, it was all down to the wind. Um, <laughs> but look, they scored 12 points in the first half with the wind at the back, only five in the second half. Um, um, out of all the points, 23 of the points were, pay, were played by the team with the wind at their back. Five points playing into the wind. There we go. You see, folks, all under uh, had, had it all down pat. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, one of the other front rowers I must mention too is Siate uh, Tokolahi. 19 tackles. The, wow. The Southlander, yep. That's, uh, that's a big shift. That's a big shift. Especially for a prop. Um, <laughs> but yes. Um, oh, see, uh, Simon's saying that yeah, Westpac Stadium needs to shrink. It's too it's too big for rugby. Um, yes, Sky Stadium now, obviously. Sky TV Stadium, not um, not Westpac Stadium anymore. But yeah, it's not a good it's not a good look. Um, and it's not a good stadium, I don't think, for rugby, because it's an oval uh, that's not big enough for cricket, but too big for rugby. It's yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's a stadium that's, that, that doesn't please anybody, apart from maybe the beer festival that they hold in <laughs> the uh, concourse once a year. As John Mitchell said, we need a rectangular stadium. Exactly. <laughs> With a roof. 
with a roof <laughs> with a roof yeah roof preferably um <laughs> um cool uh we've covered all the games boys anything else before we uh before we sign off hey i'll be if we want to finish on the hurricanes a guy that hasn't been mentioned that i would like to give a shout out to devon flanders nobody um mm. had a cracking game as well for the canes that back row yep true someone i don't rate normally no <laughs> see i know nothing about rugby um <laughs> And Paul, just from me, I know it's um, the season, as you say, is pretty much wrapped up, but I am looking forward to that return match. Uh, Crusaders v uh, Blues at Eden Park would not surprise me if that's a sellout, regardless of where uh, the teams will be sitting on the table. And any team coming down to Forsyth Bar, that's worth getting excited for as well. <laughs> so who have you got? They ain't got winning. Any... They ain't winning, eh? Oh. No. Big, big, big talk there from, from Cornflakes. So, yes. The, um, yeah, I mean, Parkinson getting, uh, every week's getting better and better. Yeah, he, um, he was. Um, and what was interesting was they moved him around the line and kept throwing to him, and the Hurricanes didn't figure this out. Um, so, yeah, guys, you can ignore the rest of the line apart from where Parry Parry Parkinson is because it's going to him. It was blatant. I mean, Dylan Hunt's not a big guy, is he, uh, you know, for a, for a seven jumper in the line out. And, I mean, Witten probably hasn't been around it in the lineup long enough to really take that responsibility, maybe to mix it up one or two, but it's pretty obvious when you had both Dixon and Parkinson, their line out was very, very efficient because you had two very quality jumpers uh, at the line out. And of course you generally got two pretty good hookers as well. They always hit their man. So they had that, they're losing that. Uh, and so Parkinson becomes a, a huge, huge part of that, um, that line out set piece now. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. Thank you, everybody, um, for tuning in to this show on New Zealand Sports Radio. Don't forget you can listen to us on the go. Um, just download New Zealand Sports Radio in your favourite podcatcher, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Acast, all of those wonderful places. We'll be back at 7am tomorrow morning with the morning sports briefing, um, as long as Stephen has woken up in time um, for it. Um, but, uh, yes, today I had a bit of a shocking one. I somehow thought my alarm went off at... Um, at, uh, at, at at 5.40 um, was uh, to, to get and so I got up, got ready, put the kettle on looked at my phone and went, I've got up an hour early I can get back to bed again <laughs> so, <laughs> Jeez, so get yeah. tired just listening to that so hopefully I'll be uh, hopefully I'll, yeah, I'll get a night's sleep and uh, folks, catch you all tomorrow morning thank you everybody, like, subscribe share, all that wonderful stuff 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 